Hi, everyone. It's Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival. How's everyone doing so far this summer? I've got a really special guest on, uh, on my episode, and we will just be talking with her in just a few seconds. Let's roll the intro. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. And we're back. And I have a very special guest with me today. It's Alyssa from Alley's Vintage Camera Alley. Hi, hey, Alyssa. How's it going? Hey, Bill. Good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm glad you can make it. And again, it's always, uh, you know... It's uh, it's fun to talk. Always fun to talk with other uh, film shooters and camera collectors. Like uh, I think our paths crossed in a, a Facebook group. But you were getting into like Nikon F. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it started. <laughs> yeah, and it went downhill from yep. there. <laughs> <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I I want to say, I have done my job well <laughs> yep. as your enabler <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> maybe maybe your loan officer at the bank may not be so happy but hey <laughs> there you go so for those who um, are listeners in the classic camera revival give people a quick <clears throat> overview about who you are and how you've sort of wound up creating both a blog and a youtube presence over the past almost a year yeah Um, Well, it started last year, as you said, like almost a year ago. Um, I was in the hospital for a while. And at that point, I was just shooting film here and there. I wasn't really a part of any community or anything. But um, when I got out of the hospital, I came home and I found that I really couldn't walk. Um, So um, I was on Facebook a lot and part of the vintage camera uh, community that you I found you on. (laughs) And um, everybody was posting their Nikons and everything. And I just loved it so much that I started buying cameras on eBay and I kind of just had to lay there with them in the bed. I couldn't get up. So then um, I was gifted an Argus C3 by somebody and it wasn't working very well. So I found Mike Ekman's page and uh, you know, I talked to him and he told me how to fix it. And I just so happened to videotape it and videotape myself fixing it. And Mike kind of encouraged me to keep going with it. And so I started the YouTube channel to help people and really to connect because I, you know, I was alone, I was depressed and stuck in the bed. So mainly it was kind of therapy. And then it started be, to become even more therapy, helping me to get out of the bed and go and walk and take pictures outside of my yard and everything. And little by little, I was able to walk again. I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's been mostly therapy for me. Then I've added the blog to it to supplement and, you know, they go together because not everybody wants to watch a video. So so that's basically how it started. What's interesting how you've uh, used, I think all of us have used, uh, have used and are currently using photography as therapy, especially during these interesting times. Mm-hmm. Like It got me through a very dark period when my dad passed 15 years ago. And, um, and again, it's sort of, a, it was also a great way as I, as the best, you know, cliche you can put it as finding your tribe. And it's in this case, virtual uh, worldwide. Uh, and it's all fil- filled with people that want to help you uh, get to the next level. And uh, that's the one thing I like about your channel. Cause you know, you make no pretensions that, yeah, I'm not an expert. I'm yeah. learning this as I go. Do you want to join me on this journey? Yeah. And 
you're not you're very transparent and saying yes i'm in a i'm in a learning process like everybody else and you know tearing apart a camera i i just don't have that aptitude yeah (laughs) (laughs) some people do i'm not one of them and yeah. I wish I was, and I could charge exorbitant prices for prices <laughs> and like us. But that's besides the point. Um, yeah, it's sort of like it's either interesting. So you sort of latched on to Nikon just by just seeing. Okay, I just uh, love the way they look. <laughs> yeah, well, again, it's uh, they're they're design classics. Like uh, we've uh, talked about it at at length on the Classic Camera Revival over the years. Uh, much to the cost, uh, much to the frustration of uh, fans of other camera brands, but hey, you know, we, we, we try and spread the love around, yeah, <laughs> as we want to say. Uh, and um, yeah, it was sort of like it was either interesting because you were picking up stuff that I was hoping to find, and yeah, like that early photomic with the fly, uh, is it the flag finder, yeah, photomic? the flag finder, the red flag. I want one of those. <laughs> I was lucky to find one working. I, I'm shocked. You're very lucky. My brother yeah. had one, and unfortunately, the uh, finder wasn't working. And sadly, the finder disappeared into, <laughs> into the workshop of an old camera repair tech who passed, huh. and uh, stuff got sold. And bye bye, flag finder. Yeah. But it's one of those ones that's the hole in the collection. And it's, you know, it is what it is. Also, you 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 have a rather interesting collection of both TLRs, uh, what I call not necessarily the pro bodies. Like you've had the the Canon TX, which I assume is uh, yeah, that's still going. Or oh yeah, it is. I'm surprised, but that, I bought that was actually the first uh, TLR I bought when I started, or not TLR um, SLR I bought when I started getting back into it because it reminded me of my father's camera and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was why I bought that one, but I didn't know anything about cameras at that point. So I just looked on eBay and found one that looked like his. And so <laughs> ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. That I gifted you one of my Canon FTBs, yeah. which I assume is finally sorted out. <laughs> yes. I just developed some more. I'm going to do a review on it. Oh, right on. What's I'm looking next? forward yeah. to that because I loaned that one again, stuff gets passed around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alex Lux uh, did a review for it for the uh, the boys the boys and girls at FPP. Mm-hmm. It was it was not a, a it was not a uh, podcast review. It was just a web review on their website. And again, they're solid FT Canon FTBs are solid cameras. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about that one aside yeah. from you know, the struggles of getting it the baby Tina's been around <laughs> yeah T- Tina's Tina's experienced and we'll just leave it at that <laughs> and it's sort of interesting because you were I know you were really uh kind of looking for dad's camera and yeah I think you finally you said you finally found it um well it stinks because my memory isn't as good as it was back when I when he passed away I was about 11 years old and then mm-hmm. um I remembered his camera very clearly back then, um, but I didn't have access to anything to buy it. And now that I do, I can't remember it. And I just know that it was a Canon and it was black. That's all I remember. And it was in the early 90s. So I really don't know. I did find the Fujika ST801 that was his before I was born. I I do shoot Mm. with that one. And I made a video with that for a tribute to him. 
Yeah, it's funny because it's like uh, in my case, some of my camera gear is sort of the connection to my dad's memory. Uh, mm-hmm. He passed 15 years ago, and uh, a few months, a few weeks before he he left, uh, he sort of sat my brother and I down, and I said, "Yeah, look, this is the situation." You no, know, as the old as the old doors, you know, line goes, nobody gets it alive. And it mm-hmm. certainly applied to him in that case. He sort of divvied up his camera gear uh, between my brother and I, and I wound up with his Nikon F, and that's how I went down that rabbit hole. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I use it to this day. Uh, same thing with the the, the his uh, Leica M3 uh, again. It, it, it's sort of like in some ways you're almost too scared to use, in my case they're almost too scared to use it because they're um so they're heirlooms yeah, yeah they're heirlooms whereas you know and again and having multiple copies of the same camera in the case of the nikon i don't have that problem yeah <laughs> that's goes out once every once in a while so it gets exercised but the other ones it's like okay something bad happens yeah. Oh well, that's how life goes. Uh, yeah. The M3, however, that's a bit more of an expensive beast. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I got to be careful with that. He left you some good ones. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I wound up with the Nikon F and the Leica M3. My brother wound up with the uh, a Nikromat FTN, a Topcon RE. Oh, cool. And a Leica 3G. Wow. I think I came out ahead with the M3 because if you don't want to like bottom load a Leica 3G, Alyssa would. Yeah, I've never had a Leica. <laughs> you're going to love them or you're going to hate them. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And uh, the other thing I've noticed about your camera reviews, you tend to go from more the slightly more off the beaten path. Like the most mm-hmm. recent one you had was the Ansco. And I like the idea of, because all of us, and I guess I fall into that trap I guess the rest of us in the classic camera revival fall in that trap. We tend to like gravitate towards the really high end pro bodies back in the day. Whereas you're kind of saying, Hey, let's take a look at something a little more interesting, like this sort of Ansco. It's kind of a box camera, kind of a TLR, (laughs) but not really either. It's something else entirely. And it's (laughs) this classic bit of 1950s design. It's like, do you, do you find that's more interesting to sort of explore? Um, well, the the way I came about with those cameras is because my uncle in New York, he sends me cameras he finds in his flea market, you know, crawls, mm-hmm. and um, they tend to be those types. And um, I do like to review them because, you know, if you, if you go on YouTube and you look at the other reviewers, a lot of times, like you said, they have the Hasselblads, they have the, um, you know, the big XAs or the, you know, the, what are the Olympus MUs or whatever they are, you know, yeah, the expensive Yeah, the Olympus ones. MUs. I yeah. had one of those. I don't know what happened to it. Mm-hmm. I could have financed a vacation with the damn thing. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, so. even, you know, it, it's like I have choked with another friend I had one saying, man, <laughs> don't use it. Turn around. It'd be your kid's college education fund. <laughs> exactly. So I wanted, I figured that scares people away if they're getting into film photography. So if you can show them, you can even use these little ones you find at flea markets. If you just want to shoot medium format or anything, you could use these. And that's, mm. that's kind of my, my thing. That's what I like to do. The underdog. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people tend to like, uh, there are certain cameras that people tend to be obsessed about, like the Pentax K1000, which 
uh, you know, he get, you're left sitting there going, really? Well, it, it, again, it's Pentax. I've, I, the, the odd thing is I own a Pentax KM, a Pentax KX, and a K2. If you squint, it's where it's the same camera as the mm-hmm. K1000, but it has more features, and the grand irony is they're cheaper. Yeah, yeah, because you don't need those features always, especially when you're first starting. That's but what the I weird, But the, the weird thing is the K1000 is now more expensive yeah. than the ones <laughs> that were above it. Yeah. Because everyone wants the K1000, the super mm-hmm. simple machine. And it's the same thing with even Canon 81s. I think a couple of Instagram influencers latched onto it. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you might find a cheap body here and there, but it's like, I'm almost recommending if someone comes to me and saying, Hey, Bill, I'm thinking of getting into this. What, what do you think would be a good idea? I'm almost thinking now the Minolta X 700. Yeah. Even the, the the lower ones, even or even the TX, my Canon TX, like but the TX, like or yeah. the Canon FTB, like yeah, exactly. They're they're solid workhorse <clears throat> cameras. It's the same thing with Nikon. It's like uh, you know, if you can't swing the F, but you still <laughs> want to play with Nikkor glass, get a Nikkor mat. Yeah, I you know they're built heavier than dump trucks and <laughs> run out of film. You can hit somebody with it, but. Yeah, they just they just work. They work in extreme weather. Like they can work in Florida in July and they can work up here in, you know, north of Toronto, middle of February. Yeah. And not give you grief. And it's like people just don't look at that and it's like, well, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah, uh, exactly. Even the Canon again? even the Canon F one Ns now are F ones, those are going for a lot of money too, and they're kind of comparable to the Nikon F, I think. Yeah. But the Nikon F's cheaper, so I mean, I well, guess not too much though. Now it's going up. I have no <laughs> idea where camera prices are going. Again, <laughs> pandemic being what it is, I think the standard rules of economics are going out the window. I know. So who knows in that regard? So in the end, you've also uh, you've also gotten into again. You sort of exploring your your film. I guess say developing and processing journey as well you've been also been messing around with different uh, emulsions like i've read i saw your video regarding the ortho 80 mm-hmm. yeah i really liked that film but i only did it that one time i haven't used it since but i really liked it in in bright sunlight and mm-hmm. outdoors <clears throat> i haven't uh developed that film yet i hear that one's hard to develop i haven't messed with it either um yeah. have you tried film ferrania yet I did. I tried it for the first time a couple of days ago, actually, and I didn't read anything about it first. I didn't know it was so contrasty. And uh, I shot indoors on a tripod. So those are interesting. I'll be doing a review on that. Well, yeah, Ferrania is an intriguing film because it's motion picture stock. It's mm. known to be fid- uh, finicky. Uh I've shot it in bright sunshine and I've processed it in HC 110 and the, it all has an almost orthochromatic look to it. Mm-hmm. But for people out there, it's like, yeah, you've got to be mindful of metering and the processing end of it. So it's like when they say very gentle inversions, yeah, like one inversion at the top every minute, that's what you do. Yeah, it's very contrasty. Yeah. Yeah, you can dial that back if you've scanned Mm -hmm. in post or look for subject matter where it works. Yeah. 
And that's the tricky part. And it might be uh, good for street photography. I think I know a few people. I think one it's or not two quick people, though. Well, it's not. Yeah. I think it's street photography for Florida or Arizona in July. <laughs> but, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so these days, if you're going out, it's sort of curious. Uh, what what system do you generally tend to reach for when you head out the door? Um, usually the Canon or the Fujica ST801 because they're lighter and smaller. The, the Nikon, um, because the, the Nikon F, because the meter is not as reliable, I don't want to be in the, cause I have to take pictures from the car. I can't get out and walk around, so I can't be metering <laughs> as I drive by. So I need something quick and something reliable. I can, yeah, something I can use quickly. Even the, uh, Yashica Electro, I have actually done really well with that in the car cause it has a fast oh, wow. lens. Yeah, I like that one. I take it with me to the doctors. <laughs> you could almost do like a, a, a photography project, like the private investigator, just from the, the car. <laughs> yeah, and just do I've it been in trouble before. Six. Yeah, it's like did did did, did, did somebody start yes. hire you know, like, <laughs> Yeah, <dig> exactly. Because <laughs> I've come out with the Zoom before, and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah, adventures, adventures, and doing that. Like I've. I've had some, I've had a few run-ins while doing street photography and I think mm-hmm. it, it can <sighs> rule one, you, you, you know, you're in the right, but on the same token, you have to ask yourself, is this the hill I want to die on? Today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it is not. So <laughs> you try and diffuse for those, just try and diffuse the situation That means having to sacrifice a roll of film. So be it, you know, yeah. it's, it's just not worth the hassle. Yeah. Uh, I was photographing an old uh, hotel. I thought it was vacant and I didn't know people were working on it. And so I was just outside with my zoom (laughs) taking pictures of it. La 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 outside my car. And this guy with a shovel, creepy looking guy came up to me and he's like, what are you doing? And, and I said, Oh, it's just for fun. It's, you know, I showed him the camera. It's film. It's not digital. I'm not selling it. And he was like, that's just weird. Why would you come take? Because it's an old it's an old hotel. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Private property. I didn't know what I was. Yeah, <laughs> people can get a little weird. And I think part of it is like because of almost cameras are dirt common, like not proper cameras like what we have or a digital camera, like a digital SLR point and shoot. I'm talking like phone cameras, security mm-hmm. cameras. They're, we're awash in them. Yeah. So when somebody sees something like a DSLR yeah. or a film camera, they're they're automatically going to get suspicious. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. Like if you get something like that, say, "Oh, I'm just with the developer." Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just with the <laughs> Probably developer. Probably know I'm lying. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you got to be very casual about it, especially yeah. if you're architect. Yeah, I'm with the developer. We just <laughs> progress shots, and he <laughs> wants an artistic. Really, <laughs> and, and smile and nod. Uh, how have you found your developing journey? Um, I've been sticking to the D seventy six. I have HC one ten, but I've been like afraid <laughs> to to go on to something else. But um, my main issue, because I'm you know I have to watch my money, is uh, I'm trying to reuse everything. So the issue I keep running into is exhausted fixer, and it oh yeah yeah. And it comes out with like a fog almost on the film if I use it too many times. So I've been testing a leader before I use it now to see how quickly okay. fixing the leader, uh, you know, the tongue of the film. Yeah. And that's been helping so far. But that's well, my that's main good. issue. 
Well, yeah, that's a, again, that's the challenge. There's some people out there that don't have a bottomless budget and, mm-hmm. you know, it could be uh, students, you know, people on fixed incomes. It's sort of like they're in the hobby, but it's like, yeah, I got to be careful with my chemistry. And uh, well, the upshot is D76 is dirt cheap. Yeah. It lasts a long time. Yeah. If you're replenish, if you're reusing and, and figure out how to replenish it, mm-hmm. it can go on for almost, for a very long time. Yeah. I haven't tried replenisher. I just, um, I've done, I think I could get about seven rolls out before it starts kind of dying. And mm-hmm. then I start to add a little bit of time, but then usually the fixer starts to go at the same time. So then I just create a new batch. That's a good way of doing it. Like I generally, I shoot a fair bit. I figure every, but every month or so fresh fix. Uh, and I use my developers one shot. So okay. it's like once I, Cause I use, I go with a working solution that say the D 76 concentrated, the working solution I create, like I'm having my Walter white moment and then I'll just cut it down once with water. And then, you know, once it's done, mm-hmm. there it goes. And it's, and it's, it's, I got a couple of months out of that easily. Okay. Uh, I might try that. It lasts long. It stretches it by doing that. The one. Well, it's, it's a, you're using it only once, but you're, <clears throat> you're, you're sort of like, Watering it down. You water it down intentionally as just before you're developing. So if you've got like a stock solution, you know, say for example, you're developing a roll of 35 millimeters uh, and you've got a tank, I don't know, Patterson tank. And then it's like, okay, you need 300 milliliters of working solution. So you're going to go 150 milliliters of the de- developer stock solution, 150 milliliters of water, and then, of course, stir. Mm-hmm. And then off you go, develop. And then when you're done, you toss the developer down the drain. Uh, and then um, you go from there. So it sort of stretches, well, it stretches the life of the... Do- it's it's a bit of a wash. Now, I find with going with the one plus one uh, dilution you do control the contrast a bit with D76. Oh, okay. Again, your mileage may vary and you'll find your own way of doing things and it will look great and you stick with it, but everyone yeah. has their own little weird, weird way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, now, HC110, now that's a developer that will last you a year. Yeah, because you only use a teeny bit of syrup. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And if you get into stand, stand developing and you go into those really tiny dilutions, Mm-hmm. you can stretch that bottle out for a long time, but you've got to be careful because they reformulated HC 110. So I don't know what the longevity is. Oh, okay. Like it used to be. <coughs> so yeah. And then that it's like D 76 is a good standby developer. Like I know people have been sh- developing at home for years and that's their go-to developer. Cause it's just easy. Yeah. What about um, any advice for uh, popping the film out for the, you know, with a can opener? I've been having issues with that inside the changing bag. So I found this book about developing and it said to use the retriever, film retriever um, to start it. And you just start pulling it out in the bag that way instead of popping it open. But I ended up scratching my film really bad with the retriever. So I don't know. How do you do it? Oh, how do I do it? Um, Okay, I have. I have the can o- the canister opener. Yeah. 
and I've used that if I was using an autofocus camera and the, and the, and the, the film goes all the way back into the canister. Generally when I rewind in any of my uh, sort of what I call the manual focus, mechanical or even aperture priority bodies, I make sure a little bit of film leader is still out. Mm-hmm. So when but I get home, that's the way to go. You just yeah. gotta be, you, you just, you notice when it's like, Oh, there's no tension. So stop rewinding. Mm-hmm. And then when I get home, I cut it sort of, it's the film. So it's square. So there's no mm-hmm. like leader, like portion on it anymore. Yeah. So that way, a, it's ready to go on to the real B. I'm not going to be dumb and reload it into the camera. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> done it, but I've known someone who not intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's people that have participated in a, a double exposure project, but it's like, uh, that's with intent. This is just, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. And it's like, it, it either looks, it'll be a happy accident or, Oh my God, I did a bad thing. <laughs> and it'd usually be like a trip somewhere, like a bucket list trip. Oh God. And get back to, and it's like, oh, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. I've done the other day, I was shooting with the, I have a Hasselblad actually, and I was, I, I always forget you have to manually wind on to the first mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to my Mamiya with the, you know, the handle that does it on its own. And um, I shot a whole roll of pictures thinking it was winding on and it wasn't. And I was so tired. I was like, forget it. (laughs) I never found it on. (laughs) Oh, dear. That hurts. (laughs) Yeah, I we've talked about Hasselblad on the CCR and it is a lot of people's bucket list camera. Uh, Mm. I've owned one. I'm more of a Rolly Flex guy. Yeah, I have the MX, the Rolly Flex Automat MX. I don't have the good one. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Even though, even it's like still the, awesome, yeah. Like I have two rolly cords with that's the same lens that's on the automat, and it's sharp. Glass. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And it's a good compact camera to take with you just about anywhere. It's easy to use, and you're not lugging around a, a Mar B six seven kit or exactly, or even a Hasselblad for that matter. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. That. Yeah. <laughs> not to not to pick on Hasselblad, but yeah. Um, now, are, is your photography mostly just around the neighborhood, or where right you now? Live? Yeah, yeah. Um, lately, because of the COVID, I've been in the yard. I'm getting kind of bored just taking pictures. Especially, it's so hot out there now, and taking pictures out there. So I've been trying to do more still life, you know, indoors and setting mm. things up, buying flowers from the grocery store, and doing that with my Mamiya. Oh wow! That Even sometimes with my Nikon, I've seen some of the end results, and I'm sort of I'm very much blown away because I, that's not a genre I'm into myself. I have friends who do that in the dead mm-hmm. of winter. I'm more of the guy who go. I go out and do winter photography. I like yeah. playing in the snow. Me, I would love that. Yeah, I love cold weather. <laughs> mm. Anyway, uh, so um, so out of curiosity, do you prefer shooting more color or black and white? I think color, but I've been doing the black and white now because I'm developing it, but I think I like to shoot color more. Is there a particular um, uh, film that you're drawn to? or? Um, I like the cheap ones. I like Kodak Gold and Fuji Color. Portrait is really nice, but um, it does have more of a orange tone to it. 
and I like more of the greens and cause I do nature a lot. Um, so I like Fuji cause the, I find the greens are better with the yeah, Fuji, Fuji superior is a good. Yeah. I've, uh, my favorite cheap and cheerful right now is color plus 200. Yeah. Sort of that whole stranger things, uh, <laughs> a slightly sort of retro eighties look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been sort of, shooting them in cameras that were specifically from you know the late 70s early 80s and it's like okay that's the <laughs> kind of sort of look that i'm kind of aiming for and this uh, thinly veiled bit of I, w- I would call it i wouldn't want to call it nostalgia that's the uh, nostalgia these days can be almost toxic in the yeah but i'm thinking more uh you know that's sort of like hey man this sort of brings back to some happier memories when yeah, like family photo look. Yeah, look. kind of, sort of, but you're applying it to land, like landscapes in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing I've been doing in my photographic adventures since the great shutdown of 2020 began, uh, documenting my neighborhood. And granted, yeah, it gets boring after a while, but there's always a little nook and cranny here and there that's like, oh, Oh, I haven't looked at it like that before. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the photography that I um, like, like Vivian, Vivian Meyer or um, Eggleston, he used to do a lot of just pictures that look like it was of nothing hotels mm-hmm. and stuff like, but because they're from a time that we're not in anymore, the pictures look so great. They're awesome. You know, the old hotels and stuff. So one day our pictures will, will be, oh, like I know. Too. Like, we'll I, look back. I, it, and, it's weird though. I've, I, are you familiar with Stephen Shore? Yes, yes, him too. Yeah, I have a lot of well, his books. Well, the weird thing is I, I dropped my car off for service last week and I had to basically, public transit where I live in Oakville is a bit of a suggestion even pre-pandemic. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm walking home. So, you know, you're looking at roughly a six and a half mile walk one way. Oh, wow. Oh, I know it's a, it's a bit of a hike. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my steps in, but I, I packed. <laughs> I packed. Uh, I said, "Okay, I'm deliberately traveling light." So I went with my Minolta X700, uh, the 50, a 28, and the 75 to 150 f4 zoom. And it was like I sort of documented uh, the landscape between sort of like the Volkswagen dealership and roughly downtown Oakville, and you know. The first part is classic suburban office commercial by the highway. It mm-hmm. looks bland as all get out. Everyone <laughs> knows in 15 or 20 years, it's going to get flattened and replaced with something else. Mm-hmm. That's just inevitable. But I just sort of wanted to serve, sort of, okay, I'm going to document this because a, it's, there's kind of a weird beauty in the emptiness and, with COVID-19, you walk up and you see, oh, wow, the parking lot's almost empty, save for the, I don't know, dozen people working in IT <laughs> or trying to keep things, and maybe building management or trying to keep things going, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so for safety reasons. And then just sort of like a, a great shot at the Queen Elizabeth Way, which is sort of a major, uh, I want to say... Uh, <sighs> it's a major highway between Toronto, basically from Toronto roughly to like uh, Fort Erie, Fort Erie, Buffalo. So it's like you hop that, you know, that gets you where you need to go. And, uh, and it's one of the busiest highways 
I'm not gonna definitely in Canada. I would say probably North America because a lot of truck traffic goes through because there's a lot of industry where we are, uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of like you know supply chain. And I wanted to document that a little bit because it's sort of like you know it's like yeah we're in this sort of weird netherworld, but it's still in other areas life is still going on. Yeah. Yeah, especially down here, it doesn't seem like anybody stopped. <laughs> I never, and nothing was really ever empty here where I am. I, I don't know, people weren't really listening, <laughs> but I want, because I wanted to go out and document it too. And uh, there really wasn't much of a difference. Where yeah, I boy. Am. And yeah, we're seeing a- that in the numbers now, but. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'd rather, you know, I, I hear you and uh, I <laughs> sympathize. Yeah, so that was sort of my that that's been my project, and I've been also since things opened up a little bit up here. I've also been doing a lot of day hikes. I try and get out once a week on average, uh, and I start going to local conservation areas that I've reopened. But I, you know, by virtue of my work, I've got a really flexible work schedule, so I just say, okay, I'm going hiking during the week. I don't want to see anyone else. Yeah, because you know, on weekends it'll get busy really yeah. busy and it's like the same thing with beaches it's like nope yeah. I'm not going there mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it's not so much that i'm looking for a, a particular look but it's like and yeah, no it's self-preservation yeah. i don't want to catch this <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been sort of my project is you know what i've been photographing and it's you know i haven't really been going crazy with gear acquisition i think i bought two cameras in march some lenses yeah a boatload of film like i know <laughs> others have gone on the whole pandemic you know free for all yes i'd love a texas leica uh, <laughs> oh yeah yeah that won't be for a while i think i'm just gonna wait a while longer and see yeah. where things go and uh, that's the same thing with a lot of things because who knows where, where things wind up and I'm fortunate that my two of our really good local independent camera stores are open. One's sort of open. One is, is definitely open, and, but with reduced hours. And, mm-hmm. um, and I've got access to color processing because my, if anyone's seen my photo blog, it's been pretty monochrome since March, <laughs> up until like a few weeks ago. And it's like all of a sudden it's color. <laughs> and I, I've, and sort of dipping into my color stash just to sort of uh, brighten things up a bit. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm dipping into monochrome now. Oh, wow. Is there a particular black and white film that you're you're gravitating towards? or HP5. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I cannot go wrong with that film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw one out for you. FP4. Yeah, I like that one too. The I usually use HP5 because I'm indoors a lot, so I need the 400 speed. Okay, but, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but I like I really like the way FP4 looks. I used it for the first time a couple weeks ago. I really like it. Yeah, so HP5 and you're processing in D70. I yeah, and you're mostly doing floral floral arrangements and any other. Yeah. Um, okay. Nothing else really. I took some portraits of my mom and stuff like that, but yeah, I've been limited with everything that's going on. Because mm-hmm. even the doctors, I used to take them with me, the cameras, to my doctors because it was a town away and uh, by the beach. And now I'm mm-hmm. not even going in there. We're doing virtual visits, so I don't even get to do that. I don't get oh, to wow. drive around well, and take pictures. So. At least you're fortunate to be able to do virtual visits. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm lo- glad that he's doing that. I was worried at first he wasn't. I didn't want to be in there. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Like, I'm healthy. I don't want to be in a room full of sick people. Yeah. COVID-19 or not. Yeah. No, no, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the doctor may be a nice guy, but yeah, no, no, no. We're not doing that today. <laughs> so um, I, where, where do you kind of see Ali's vintage camera alley going? Because I know you're doing this for love and uh, – just sort of continue on exploring what's out there or? Yeah. I mean, as long as people want to watch what I'm doing, my, my goal for myself is I want to try as many cameras as possible before they're gone. You know what I mean? Before they're oh, extinct. I know. So that's my, that's why I have the hassle, but I have so many different kinds of cameras. I don't just stick to one cause I'm, I love the experience of mm-hmm. an old camera knowing it was owned by someone 50 years ago or more sometimes and, you know, I want to try as many as possible. And if people are willing to look at it and if I can help anybody with questions, you know, trying them out for people, then I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> Is there a grail camera you're looking for? Hmm. I, I think that Hasselblad was my grail. I saved up for it for a year. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So there yeah, you go. That might uh, I think what you need now is some, uh, uh, I think there's a, and, I think our engineer John can chime in on this. Isn't there a macro lens in the Hasselblad system that's just utterly sublime? Uh, I think there is. Uh, I forget the the link because I I can't afford it. I think <laughs> yeah. it's one twenty. Uh, yeah, oh, one twenty okay. rings a bell. I think that's also its price in thousands of dollars. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Ow! You don't get into Hasselblad <laughs> to save money. Yeah, no. I only have one lens, and I think I'll be good with that. <laughs> the eighty. Yeah, the one that the, the eighty is a nice lens. Like I've had, I had a Hasselblad for a few years, and it was a pre-T coated eighty two point eight lens, and when it was working, oh my god, it, the 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 rendering is so smooth. Yeah, it it's is. like that classic Zeiss planar look that I get mm-hmm. out of my Rolexes now, and it's like, okay, this does just fine. It weighs a lot lighter. Yeah. If you like telephoto lenses, the 250 f5.6, especially in the older C model, mm-hmm. are not expensive. And it's a great lens. It's also been corrected, so it worked very well wide open. So it's like a oh. at 5.6, so it's like hand holdable. Okay, I'll try that. I, was out I shooting definitely will. I do today. like. Oh, okay. oh, yeah? Socially distanced sh- shooting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do uh, portraits with a, with a fisheye these days, that's for sure. <laughs> no, or the 50. <laughs> new <laughs> yeah so um yeah i guess uh well is there anything else uh one thing that we should ask uh, Alyssa is uh where can people find you online do you have uh, a link um yeah i mean you can find me anywhere with ali's vintage camera ali i know that's a lot <laughs> but um i'm on instagram with that name i'm on my blog is ali's vintage camera com, and then i'm on there on youtube too under that name so uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one to spell out, but but well, that's what it is everywhere. And we'll we'll add the links to the show notes as well. Okay. Again, thank you for your time, Alyssa, and thank uh, I'm glad you, you, we we managed to make it work. And uh, again, stay safe out there. Thanks, you guys too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. <laughs>